Nehemiah chapter 10. Now, those who sealed were Nehemiah the governor, the son of Hakaliah, and Zedekiah, Sariah, Azariah, Jeremiah, Pashur, Amariah, Malkajar, Hattush, Shebaniah, Maluk, Haram, Meramoth, Obadiah, Daniel, Ginnathon, Barak, Meshalem, Abijah, Mijamin, Maaziah, Bilgai, and Shemaiah. These were the priests. The Levites, namely, Jeshua the son of Azaniah, Binuai of the sons of Henadad, Cadmiel and their brothers, Shebaniah, Hodiah, Kalita, Peleah, Hanan, Micah, Rehob, Hashabiah, Zakur, Sherebiah, Shebaniah, Hodiah, Banu, and Beninu. The chiefs of the people, Parosh, Pehath, Moab, Elam, Zatu, Bani, Buni, Asgad, Babai, Adonijah, Bigvi, Aden, Ater, Hezekiah, Azur, Hadiah, Hashem, Bazai, Haraf, Anatoth, Nobai, Magpiash, Meshalem, Hazir, Meshazabal, Zadok, Jadua, Pelatiah, Hanan, Anaya, Hoshia, Hananiah, Hashub, Halahesh, Pilhah, Shobek, Rehum, Hashabnah, Messiah, Ahiah, Hanan, Anan, Malok, Haram, and Baana. The rest of the people, the priests, the Levites, the gatekeepers, the singers, the temple servants, and all those who had separated themselves from the peoples of the land to the law of God, their wives, their sons, and their daughters, everyone who had knowledge and understanding, joined with their brothers, their nobles, and entered into a curse and into an oath to walk in God's law, which was given by Moses, the servant of God, and to observe and do all the commandments of Yahweh our Lord, and his ordinances and his statutes, and that we would not give our daughters to the people of the land, nor take their daughters for our sons. And if the peoples of the land bring wares or any grain on the Sabbath day to sell, that we would not buy from them on the Sabbath or on a holy day, and that we would forego the seventh year and the exaction of every debt. <clears throat> also, we made ordinance for, ordinances for ourselves to charge ourselves yearly with the third part of a shekel for the service of the house of our God, for the showbread, for the continual meal offering, for the continual burnt offering, for the Sabbaths, for the new moons, for the set feasts, and for the holy things, and for the sin offerings to make atonement for Israel, and for all the work of the house of our God. We, the priests, the Levites, and the people, cast lots for the wood offering to bring it into the house of our God, according to our fathers' houses at the times appointed year by year, to burn on Yahweh our God's altar, as it is written in the law, and to bring the first fruits of our ground and the first fruits of all fruit of all kinds of trees year by year to Yahweh's house. Also the firstborn of our sons and of our livestock, as it is written in the law, and the firstborn of our herds and of our flocks, to bring to the house of our God, to the priests who minister in the house of our God, and that we should bring the first fruits of our dough, our wave offerings, the fruit of all kinds of trees, and the new wine and the oil, to the priests, to the rooms of the house of our God, and the tithes of our ground to the Levites. For they, the Levites, take the tithes in all the cities of our tillage. The priests, the sons of Aaron, shall be with the Levites when the Levites take the tithes. The Levites shall bring up the tithes of the tithes to the house of our God, to the room, into the treasure house, 
For the children of Israel and the children of Levi shall bring the wave offering of the grain, of the new wine, and of the oil to the rooms where the vessels of the sanctuary are, and the priests who minister with the gatekeepers and the singers. We will not forsake the house of our God. The chapter starts in a strange way. It says the people who sealed were, and it gives this big long list of complicated sounding names. <laughs> and uh, as I was reading through that list, I thought, gosh, it sounds like I'm uh, talking in another language here. Well, and I guess I was. I was talking in Hebrew when I was reading all those names. But it says the names of the people who sealed were and gave all these important priests and all these important Levites. So a seal is, uh, you might have seen it, you know, like where you pour wax, hot wax onto a, you know, a letter, you close up the letter, you pour the wax on and you seal it. And then the shape of your seal goes into that. So what they're doing here is making a, a covenant to keep God's law and then they sealed it. So all, they must, I don't know if they use wax or not, I don't know how they did it, but all those names that we read, they placed their seal into it. Now some people said, oh, normal people wouldn't have seals. They weren't that common. You know, some people thought that only kings would have seals. But as it turns out, that the more archeology span that gets done in the Middle East, uh, the more they discover seals, heaps of them. And, um, turns out that lots of people had seals. It was kind of like your way of signing a document. So today, um, you know, most people, they just sign. They scribble their name and that's counted as, you know, a seal basically. And uh, so we don't have, you know, seals in the, in the way they had back then. But back then that was, you know, the way you'd made something official, at least in this situation it was. And so they're sealing this covenant document and then in the chapter, it starts to list all the things we're going to do. You know, we're going to keep the appointed feasts. We're going to keep the Sabbath. We're going to keep the Sabbath year. We're going to make sure we bring the food continually for the various offerings. And, and just reading that chapter, it started to sound like a lot of hard work. <laughs> and um, way, way back in, um, uh, you know, the first five books of the Bible, in Exodus, when Moses went up the mountain, the Lord was the one that gave the law, and the Lord made a covenant with Israel. So the Lord's the one who made, made the covenant. The people had to agree to it. What's happening here, though, is the people are now making their own covenant. Now, when you read through the books of Ezra and Nehemiah, you get this overwhelming feeling that everything that's happening is wonderful. You know, oh, the people are turning back to God, and look, they're making a covenant deal with God, it feels really good, and when you're reading it, it feels just right. But it's actually God who makes covenants like he did with Moses. It's not us who make covenants with God, or it's not us who make covenants with each other. So the people are actually doing something they shouldn't be doing. They're binding themselves with their own set of rules. Now, the fact is they are God's rules, at least most of them. I, there, one of the commentators noticed that they had added a rule in here, which was the roster for the wood offering. I don't know if you heard that when we were reading through, but they made a roster and they said, we will do these things. And apparently what that commentator said that there was a shortage of wood at the time and they need wood to keep the offerings going in the temple. So they came up with this like roster to keep the temple supplied with wood. And uh, which, you know, meant various people had the job of scavenging wood all the time. It was always someone had to do it. So they make this roster, but they make it into like a binding rule and all these important people seal it to say, yes, we will do this. 
So they, they're making, they're taking God's rules, they're covenanting and, covenanting and say, we promise to do this, and in addition, they have added at least one more thing into that, and they, they've signed their life away, basically, to say, we will do this. Now, this is what you call good old-fashioned legalism. <laughs> so the law on its own is the law. So you can say the law is legalistic, true, but it's the Lord that gave these laws. And um, But now it's people who are saying, if we're, we're going to follow God. We're going to do it so right, and here's all the rules, and we're signing our life to it. And uh, I want to take you into the New Testament in Matthew chapter 5, verse 37. And this is what the Lord Jesus said. He said, he said not to take any oaths. He said, let your yes be yes and your no be no. He said, anything beyond that comes from the evil one. So <laughs> it's okay for God to make covenant because God doesn't fail. God is a non-failing God. He perfectly keeps his covenant. And for God to say to the Israelites, this is what I'm going to do for you, um, is one thing. <laughs> and for him to say to them, this is what I want you to do for me, is another thing. And people can agree and say, yes, Lord, that's, we're going we're, we're gonna to do that. So they can agree that they're going to try to keep that covenant. But it's a completely different thing for people to go to God and say, here's the list of things we're going to do and we're signing up because we're following you. So now you've made your own set of rules. And Jesus said not to do that. He said anything like that comes from the evil one. So you might be thinking to yourself, because uh, this sounds like a very good thing, what they're doing here. And I completely agree that what's happening here is a revival. So what's happening is they've returned from the exile and they're having a revival. Their hearts are being warmed up to the Lord and they want to follow the Lord, the Holy Spirit's that move among them. But what they're going to do is turn something that's wonderful and living and fresh, they're going to turn it into a bunch of rules and regulations and drive the freshness right out of it by making it legalistic. And um, so that's why it's bad. You can turn something wonderful into something bad by making it a rule. So you imagine, for example, here's a very you know down-to-earth example. You imagine that you, um, you come home every day from work or, uh, you know, when you give your wife a kiss and, uh, or, you know, you, if you're a woman, you come home from work every day and you go give your husband a hug, whatever, and it's just lovely because it's organic. But let's say one day you, um, you don't do it because something happens in that moment. You know, your mind is on something that's really bothering you and you, you're thinking about something deep and important. And let's say your loved one says to you, you didn't love me because you didn't give me my hug or you didn't give me my kiss. Where's the love? So now there's an obligation that they have to do that every single day because otherwise it, it's like there's been a boundary established that says you must kiss me every single day or I'm not loved. And now because it's become legalistic, well, it, now it's become legalistic. So now you have to do it. Now because you have to do it, it's not as loving anymore and it becomes ritualized, it becomes a rule, the heart will easily leave. And so you turn something that, you know, you think, oh, you know, husbands should give their wives a kiss every day or wives should give their husbands a hug every day. You'd think something like that is actually good, but by making a rule that says it must happen, you take the life out of it. And so it's there's life in things when the Lord initiates them, but when people initiate them and make rules, we, we destroy them. And this is what happened with, um, there was a, a town in North, 
North America, and I'm pretty sure it was in New York, but I, don't quote me on that. It was called Northampton. And um, Jonathan Edwards, the famous revivalist, he was there when a revival broke out. People were getting saved all over the place, and they decided to make, they decided uh, um, that they wanted this revival to continue for a long time because they could see how good it was for the community and how it was having such a big effect on families. They thought they needed this revival to keep on going. So they decided to make a, a set of rules. <laughs> and they got everyone in the revival to sign. And they said, we promise to read our Bibles every day. We promise to pray every day. And they made them promise all these things. And the revival was gone in about a week or two. <laughs> it was just dead. So the, the legalism of man destroys the work of the spirit. And the way my dad explains it, he says, we've already got the words of God. We don't need to make our own extra words to add on top of them. Well, that's what they're doing here. So in the book of Nehemiah, they're in the middle of revival, and it's wonderful, but they're, they're trying to make this wonderful thing continue by making it a rule. And that's never, ever a good thing. And we do find out that as the book of Nehemiah goes over, that the revival comes to an end. And in fact, the last chapter of Nehemiah is a sad one. And then the intertestamental period, of course, the 400 years up to Jesus, it's full of all sorts of chaos, which we'll explore in a few years' time. So Heavenly Father, I ask you to help us not to make our faith, Lord, not, not to add our own covenants and vows on top of our walk with you, but Lord, help our love for you to be so natural. Help us to just follow you and find you and enjoy being with you and not have it be a religious requirement Lord, help it to be natural. Help it to come from our hearts. And Lord, if we do fail you, Lord, to come to you and always say, Lord, I'm sorry, and to have it just be a real relationship. Lord, ask for grace for me, for my listeners, for the body of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen.